The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. And we are back here on the Air Attack. Follow me on Twitter at BCAK the Man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio as we roll into week 11 of the NFL already. My goodness. Remember, there's 17, well, there's 18 regular season weeks this year because there's 17 games. But already week 11 as the season kind of flies by here. Just about Thanksgiving time, just about holiday season. Um, those of you who are, you know, sociopathic enough to try to sabotage the holidays, now is your time to start shit within your family so you can sort of hijack Thanksgiving and move it along to Christmas, if that's your style. A lot of you are already Christmas shopping, which is kind of sad, but that's just how it is this year. Everyone's afraid to to miss out on stuff. I actually saw people shopping for Thanksgiving dinner yesterday at the supermarket. You could tell just by the body language and the tension, not to mention the stuff in the carts. People are afraid of not getting spoil pans or stuffing or whatever. I saw it. I saw a kid actually chase a woman out the door because she had gotten her free frozen turkey but hadn't cleared it with customer service. So, good news is that holiday tension is here. Congratulations. Uh, enjoy all that stuff. We will get to the NFL stuff, obviously the college football stuff as well. Biggest story of the week obviously would be the Kyle Rittenhouse house story uh as i'm recording this there is no verdict i think we know what the verdict is going to be what the verdict should be um the first thing i'll say about this is is very simply if you haven't actually educated yourself on this case or any of these cases i'm not really that interested in your opinion don't tell me the kid took a gun here and murdered people whatever that's that's quite simply not what happened and i'm seeing so many dummies and that's just what you are you're just dummies on facebook on twitter Okay, where they basically have an opinion and the guy should be in jail and so should his mommy and he's a murderer, he's a white supremacist. When that really, I don't know anything about the kid. I've never met the kid. I've never hung out with him, okay? Not even saying he's my kind of guy. But if you haven't actually researched the case, then I really don't want to hear from you for the simple fact that there is so much knowable information about this particular case and most of these cases. And in this particular case with Kyle Rittenhouse, it's on video. All these shootings are on video. If you don't know what I'm talking about, obviously Kenosha, Wisconsin was set on fire last year because people like LeBron James thought it would be a good idea to make Jacob Blake into a martyr. Now we realize that Jacob Blake, he was shot in the back a few times. Jacob Blake had a knife on him. Jacob Blake was also trying to take a car that wasn't his with his killed children in the back. In other words, he was trying to kidnap his own kids. That's why he got shot. Now, was it great police work? I never said it was great police work. They probably should have whacked him across the shins or something else. But this guy resisted arrest, had been tased, was trying to take off in his car with his kids. I'm sorry, it wasn't his, his car. It was his former girlfriend's car. Okay, a girl that accused him many times of sexual assault. And after he gets shot, LeBron James and Black Lives Matter and everybody else decides, well, you know what? It's okay to burn down Kenosha. No big deal. And after seeing this for a night, Jay, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse went to Kenosha at the behest of one of his friends to protect local businesses. And that's why he brought the gun with him. Now, you want to say he shouldn't have a gun? I personally don't want a world where 17-year-old kids are walking around with high-powered guns. I don't even think most 17-year-olds should be allowed to drive. But it's not illegal for him to have had that gun, gun in Wisconsin. The judge already said as much. He threw that charge out. So the kid's allowed to have the gun. So you don't get to use that. And in, in the process of being there, someone lights a fire. Kyle Rittenhouse goes and puts the fire out, and when the mob realizes that he's not on their side, they start chasing him. They start trying to get the gun from him. They start trying to hit him with a skateboard. Two guys get killed that way. A third guy, who's been all over TV this past week, which is absolutely disgusting, okay, with, with scripted questions and scripted answers, trying to talk about how the kid's not really sorry he got caught doing something wrong. That asshole actually pointed a loaded gun at Kyle Rittenhouse's head. 
and he tried to actually fool him. He tried to put his hands up like he was surrendering. Then he quickly reached into his waist, pulled the gun out, and Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't having it and blew the guy's arm off. And that's your third shooting, quote-unquote, victim or you know, th third guy that got shot, whatever you want to say. I don't, I don't really think you're a victim at that point. So the trial has been a joke. The prosecutors have made fools of themselves uh, from pointing an AR, which you just don't do. You don't point guns. You saw with the Alec Baldwin situation. You don't go indiscriminately pointing guns at people without checking thoroughly to make sure the gun's not loaded. The prosecutor in this case was pointing guns at people and pulling the trigger. Uh, saying things like you lose your right to self-defense when you bring a gun. Well, the gun is for self-defense. I'm not going to get into a whole gun rights thing. You bring a gun for self-defense. And if Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't have a right to bring a gun, how about the guy who tried to shoot him? Does he have a right to bring a gun? Because that was your star witness who admitted under oath that the only time Kyle Rittenhouse fired was when he pointed a gun at him. The whole thing is kind of a joke. Now they're threatening to burn down Kenosha, Wisconsin again. They have the National Guard there. People are upset about that. LeBron James, once again, is taking shots at the kid. Okay, no pun intended. You know, and everyone else, Joy Ann Reed, everybody else who makes money off of this horseshit. The bottom line is, I'll say it again. If you haven't educated yourself on the case... Stop spewing venom, okay, and making the world a worse place by lying about it because that's what you're doing. You have no idea what you're talking about, but you're talking like you do. You're just a liar. There's also the Ahmad Arbery case going on down in Georgia, another case where people simply haven't, haven't educated themselves, but people like LeBron James and, and all the way up to a Barack Obama have spread the lie that the kid was just out for a jog. That's a lie. He wasn't just out jogging. He was in a home he wasn't supposed to be in, and he had been caught on tape in that home many times because the home was under construction, and the guy who was building the home said, look, whoever this kid is poking around my house, I don't want him there anymore. And had the kid not gone running when neighbors spotted him, he'd still be alive today. Now, should guys have gone after him and been carrying guns? Maybe they were carrying guns for self-defense themselves, but it's another case where there's a video of the shooting. It's unpleasant. I'm not, I'm not glad it happened. I wish it never happened. But the idea that he's just out for a jog and a couple of hillbillies went and, and hunted him down like an animal is just a total and utter lie. But according to LeBron James, people are black people are hunted every day. And that's why you get the reactions you do. So if you haven't educated yourself on these cases, I, I, I don't really want to hear from you. And that includes Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's ice cream is out there telling people or asking people the hypothetical question about how this trial would be going if Kyle Rittenhouse were black. Well, if Kyle Rittenhouse were black and armed himself to defend local businesses in Kenosha, I'd be defending him just as just as fervently as I am as I am right now. Wouldn't change a thing for me. Makes no difference. And in some of these riots, and this has gotten swept under the rug, there has been there have been pictures, video footage of plenty of black guys arming themselves and protecting local businesses because they weren't going to let their place get burned down because they have some common fucking sense. To me, this is not a, a color thing or a race thing. This is a common sense thing. And if you have a problem with the guy bringing a gun to the riot to protect people or bringing a gun to a riot, period, but not the people rioting or burning the place down, I don't want to hear about it's justified. It's not justified because, again, you didn't know what the hell you're talking about. Every single one of these cases involves lies to get people going. And then when someone gets hurt, where's LeBron James? Oh, it's this kid's fault. It's a 17-year-old kid's fault, but it's not LeBron's fault for encouraging it. It's not Colin Kaepernick's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. It's the kid's fault for doing something about it. Not the rioters. Not the people busting up windows. Not the people lighting fires. No, no, it's not their fault at all. Throwing bricks at cops. In 2020, there were something like 24 people killed at protests across the country, and no one cares about that. I'm not even going to mention names. I mean, there were white people. There were black people killed across the country. But the minute a kid comes and kills one of the protesters in self-defense, and it's clearly self-defense. I mean, let's face it, guys. Again, it's on video. If you haven't seen the videos, go find them. And the New York Times did a great job of piecing together all the different videos that were out there to give you a timeline, not to mention, not to mention show you the dynamic of what was going on that night, which is a slightly different picture than what LeBron James and prosecutors and everybody else want to paint. 
But if you had, you're going to have an opinion without knowledge, then you're just a liar. And that's all there is to it. So the kid's probably going to be found not guilty. I know there are people out there trying to intimidate him from Jacob Blake's uncle to George Floyd's nephew, which should a thousand percent on planet Earth be illegal, but they're doing it anyway. If you notice, there's also a lot of money in this stuff, okay? Basically, you riot. Ben Crump shows up. He's the lawyer. Big payout from the city. Boom, everyone makes money. Funny how that works. If you told Jacob Blake's uncle you're not getting a penny out of this, you think he'd be showing up? You got to be kidding me. So we will see how that plays out. But I don't need I don't need Ben and Jerry's. I don't need an ice cream company. And by the way, if you think Ben and Jerry's is just a couple of fat hippies hanging out in Vermont in their 50s making ice cream, you couldn't be more wrong. They sold out to Unilever years ago. Years and years and years ago. So whatever slob they have running their social media, who okay, I would love to debate that person live. As opposed to asking the ridiculous hypothetical, well, you know, if if if, if Kyle Rittenhouse were black and crossed state lines with the right... By the way, what does crossed state lines have to do with anything anymore? Crossing state lines is as simple as driving across... Just drive. There it is. Welcome to Illinois. Welcome to Wisconsin. Welcome to New Jersey. Welcome to New York. Now, New York, New, York, New Jersey, they're going to bang you for a toll. But in most places, a state line... It's not like there's a moat. It's not like you have to climb a mountain. Okay, so this is not Game of Thrones where the borders are all fortified. This is completely ridiculous. Oh, he crossed state lines. If... If he crossed state lines is one of your main arguments, you don't have much of an argument there. Well, what if he were black? What if he were black? Okay, if, if what if he were black is one of your arguments, you lost me and you lost yourself. So he's probably going to be found not guilty. We'll see about that. What has gotten swept under the rug because of all of this is a story I talked about a little bit last week, and that's Dalvin Cook. And I said, we'll just kind of wait and see. Dalvin Cook is being accused of basically domestic violence. His lawyer got to Adam Schefter first. And got Adam Schefter to kind of cover for him and, and get his story out there and get ahead of it. Which I don't really have a problem with Adam Schefter doing. And if you know anything about ESPN, Adam Schefter's job is to get whatever story he can first. Not necessarily to get it right. And ESPN has proven that over the course of time. They're just one of those outlets that doesn't care. They want to break it first. And that's a lot of media outlets these days. The woman's lawyer never reached out to Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter never reached out to the lawyer. He just broke the story that Dalvin Cook's lawyer gave him. The woman alleges that Dalvin Cook basically beat the shit out of her when she went into his place. Dalvin Cook alleges the woman surprised him in his place and held him at gunpoint and claims there are two witnesses. And this is where we have an issue. Now, there's a reporter named Rochelle Olson that I questioned because she placed she put evidence up on Twitter. And again, follow me on Twitter at BCAK the man. You can catch some of this stuff. It's fun. She put up evidence that came from the woman herself. And they include pictures of her. And now these pictures to me are are shocking. She looks like she got the shit beat out of her. And they are basically, the picture is embedded in a series of text messages. It looks like, looks like it was online, maybe Instagram or something like that, between her and Dalvin Cook. And she's saying, look what you did to my face, Dalvin Cook. This is allegedly now. We don't know that he even did that to her. But allegedly, he says, if you want to call the cops, that's fine. I get it. Whatever. But please come back here. I love you. Yada, yada, yada. The problem is, that's on the 9th of November. The alleged incident Dalvin Cook is talking about is on the 19th of November. And here's what the woman says happened. She says she flew from Florida. This is coming from her attorney. Now, Rochelle also wants to call into question my judgment and ask me if I've ever studied domestic violence. My response to her is what I'm going to tell you right now. I don't need to have studied domestic violence to read a statement from an attorney and then put together a timeline and then judge on my own whether or not this makes a lot of sense. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Doesn't mean I know a thing because I'm not there. But I can at least try to educate myself based on the words of the woman's own attorney. She flies from Florida to Minnesota. Now, I'm guessing that's about a four-hour flight, something like that. Okay, that's a little bit of effort here. Enters Dalvin Cook's home with a can of mace. Now, the lawyer is very, very shrewd here. He points out that the can of mace 
was in the garage. Now, do we know that it was in the garage? We don't know one way or the other. Why is she keeping Mace at Dalvin Cook's garage, as as he alleges in this statement? I, I don't know. Maybe because this situation has gotten bad before. I have no idea. Or maybe she brought it from Florida and he doesn't want to get into a whole thing with with the FAA or, or you know, TSA or anything like that where she brought something on a plane she's not supposed to. Either way, he agrees that she enters Dalvin Cook's home with Mace. She doesn't go through the front door. She doesn't knock. She goes through the garage. So to me, we have red flags number one and two right there. You flew from Florida to Minnesota and you entered his home unannounced using a garage door opener that you had in your possession. A surprise visit. And he happened to be home. The other thing about this, before we go into the details, is if Dalvin Cook and this woman dated, she should have a general sense of what his schedule is. The, guy, the guy's a professional athlete. He's got to go to practice. He just, he, he just does. He's not been hurt. Even if he were hurt, he'd have to be there for treatment, yada, yada, yada. She enters his home unannounced at a time when he's there with a can of mace in her hand. Excuse me for suggesting this, but it sounds like she's looking for a confrontation. Okay, I'm not rationalizing anything else. I'm just statement of fact from an objective standpoint here. Kind of sounds like she's looking for trouble. When she comes in, we all agree that she found trouble. Lawyer says Dalvin Cook slammed her onto a table. She tried to mace him because remember, <laughs> she came in with mace and he used the mace on her. This is where the story gets a little weird. Attorney claims that the woman goes into a bathroom now to take a shower. So now we've, we've wrestled. She lost, she lost the wrestling match. Somehow she's in the shower. And Dalvin Cook attacks her there. Doesn't want her showering. Okay. But somehow Dalvin Cook then leaves her alone in his bedroom. And his bedroom is where he keeps his gun. Oh, wait a second. If you didn't want her showering, how are you okay with her alone in the room where you keep a loaded weapon? She gets a hold of the weapon and then calls her friend for help. Doesn't call the friend to come with her to begin with. No, she calls the friend once this thing all goes down. Now, she thinks there's going to be a problem to the point where she carries Mace inside, but she waits until all of this goes down before calling for backup. Well, if you've got a friend in the area, why don't you call the friend to go there with you to begin with so at least you've got a witness, at least you've got some, some support there, and the person can help you carry your shit because apparently the whole point was she was flying there to break up with Dalvin Cook and get some of her stuff, but never told him she was coming. Okay, see where I'm going here. Now, supposedly, she's left alone in Dalvin Cook's bedroom and then calls the friend and has the gun, at which point she says Dalvin Cook beat her with a broomstick. I shouldn't laugh, but this is, this is obviously not a good situation. Says that Dalvin Cook beat her with a broomstick. Never says where the friend ended up. Never says that the friend ended up showing up or not showing up. Then claims, follow me here, that she spent the night... And Dalvin Cook drove her to the airport the next morning. Now, that could 1,000% be true. But if you think about this timeline of, wait a second, it doesn't really add up. Or it's all true, and these two are both really fucked in the head. And maybe Dalvin Cook did something 10 days earlier on the 9th of November. I don't know. Or did she, or did she enter his house unannounced that day as well? Who know, I don't know what's going on here. I have no idea what the situation is, but people want to jump down his throat. Mina Kimes wants to post pictures and then and then credit Rochelle Olsen like, hey, I'm throwing you a bone. Girl power. Here we go. Okay, domestic violence. Everyone stand together. Hey, listen, I don't have to have studied domestic violence to read this statement and say this sounds like a bizarre situation. And when I asked Rochelle Olsen a simple question, and it was this, have she, had she ever reached out to the two witnesses, Dalvin Cook says corroborate his story she just didn't respond. 
So basically what it comes down to is, once again, the topic is unpleasant. Like with Dave Portnoy, we talked about last week, the, the topic is unpleasant, like sexual assault. So no one questions the accusation. And it's cowardly. Just like in the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Oh, he went there with an AR-15 and he murdered people. There's some people, like the Ben and Jerry's thing, going back to their tweet, Ben and Jerry's implied that Kyle Rittenhouse killed black people. He killed white people. Those are white people that attacked him. White, black, whatever. They don't even, they can't even get the story straight, but they've got a big opinion on it. Same thing here. If you really wanted to know the truth about the story and you were one of these reporters with quote-unquote boots on the ground, as Mina Kimes said, and you're trying to, to build up Rochelle Olsen here, hey, wait a second. Why didn't you go looking for these two witnesses? Because if you go looking for these witnesses and they don't exist, that corroborates the woman's side of things. So what better way to paint Dalvin Cook as a monster and corroborate the woman here as the victim, okay, than to go looking for the two witnesses? No response. Because she didn't go looking for the witnesses because she didn't want to. She wanted to post provocative pictures of a woman who looked like she had been beaten. Now, maybe she had been, but this is not good reporting. And this is how bad opinions. You're seeing in two different, these are to two totally different situations here. This is an NFL player who's suspected of domestic violence that, and that takes place in Minnesota. Now, same part of the country. And then you got Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a total shit show from the, the cops to the, the uh, district attorney. Okay, to the people running the town, the mayor, everywhere, everyone in that place. Remember making a murderer? Remember how weird those people were? Yeah, same state, guys. Same state. Same kind of shit still going on. And you got a kid on trial for his life with, an, with the, the, one of the most prolific athletes the United States has ever put out there in LeBron James trying to ruin the kid. Last time we saw LeBron James doing that, it was a cop in Columbus, Ohio, who shot a girl because all she was doing was trying to stab another girl in the gut. Remember that? You're next. Accountability. Didn't know, it, didn't know what the fuck he was talking. And then finally he deletes it and apologizes. But the damage is done. And in the Dalvin Cook case, you got two female reporters that are willing to go ahead and, and shame the guy and put this cloud over him without actually doing the work. All Adam Schefter did was put a story out that came from Dalvin Cook's attorney. And he said as much. Said, hey, this is what's coming from his people. This is what they say. They say he's the victim of extortion. The Vikings, to their credit, have stood by Dalvin Cook. NFL can't suspend him because no criminal charges have been filed. And that's just how it is right now. And the Vikings are going are to stick with him. And Dalvin Cook played okay against the Chargers on Sunday. So, again, two different two stories. The Dalvin Cook thing has kind of gotten swept under the rug. And I'm saying to myself, if, he's, if this guy has, has been beating this girl, you know, he's going to be out of the league for a while, maybe, maybe for good. You know, these teams are tired of this. That's why they have personal conduct policies. But he stood by his story, said, look, the truth will come out in the end, and that's all there is to it. This goes back to something I've said a million times on this show and elsewhere. If one of you is getting violent, whichever one it is, and Dalvin Cook's attorney says this woman has a history of violence and a history of destroying his property down to his vehicles, get out. You want to say one isolated incident, someone, ha you know, something happened, someone was going through something, whatever. Yeah, maybe I'll, get, maybe I'll give you one of those. But if one or both of you is getting violent, get out because this, this is what it's going to escalate to. The bottom line is it's humiliating for Dalvin Cook, and it could be something that gets him into a lot of trouble. And if he's just out there beating her up, who knows? But if she's, if she's coming at him with mace or a gun or whatever, what, what do you expect the guy to do? What do you do? A woman's pointing a gun at you? What are you supposed to do? Well, you can't hit a woman. Wait a second. Wait a minute now. But, but I can. If, if it's that or getting shot, I can. It's like Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, listen, uh, before the guy pointed a gun at you, before you put in a gun at Kyle Rittenhouse, was he going to shoot you? Oh, no. Okay, well, there you go. Changes things a little bit. So we don't know the whole story with Dalvin Cook, but, you know, with, with both of these cases, there's been a very, I mean, just a scary and a, and a sort of disgusting lack of effort to actually get down to the facts of the case. In and, and, and each one of these cases, that people just don't want to actually know 
what the truth is because they have a political agenda and that's what it comes down to. There's a lot of money in this stuff, a lot of political power tied to this stuff, bottom line. Okay, and the, those Kenosha riots never should have been allowed to happen. Even if you felt like the police were a thousand percent out of line, if you thought Jacob Blake was an angel, which he is not, not an angel, and he even apologized for what he did. He admitted he was armed. He admitted he never should have been acting like that. All those things. Like I always say, if you love those riots so much and these protests, let me know when the next one is at your neighborhood. Okay? I want to hear when the next, when's the next riot on your street? When are you willing to offer up your car to get torched? When, when, when are you willing to turn your business into a bonfire since you support these, these peaceful protesters so much? Let me know when that is. Bunch of cowards out there. My God. All right. <laughs> Let's get on to some football here. Some of the... Hey, listen, LeBron James wants to talk about it. I'm not supposed to talk about it, right? I get it. He's supposed to say something. I'm not supposed to respond. College football, first and foremost. The rankings... Um, we have no more Michigan State because Purdue knocked them knocked them out. That already happened last week, though, right? So looks like we have Oregon ahead of Ohio State, 3-4. and four. Now, Oregon has a tough game this week. Um, there wasn't really anything too crazy last week. I thought maybe... Maybe the most noteworthy thing, and I got a little bit of heat for this, but I really don't care. On Friday, you had Cincinnati on national TV. It's enough already with, with Cincinnati. Cincinnati needs to put away these teams that they're facing, and they're struggling with them. They, they let South Florida get to within 10 points. They finish up 45-28 in the game. One of, their, you know, one of their fans said, well, they scored 31 unanswered. They were up by 24. They were favored by 24. They were favored by 24 in this game. Ohio State at South Florida would probably be a 31-34 to 34 point favorite. That's just the truth. It, it, that's, that's just reality, folks. South Florida sucks. And here's Cincinnati letting them back in the game. Defense doesn't look good. They just don't look good. I know they beat Notre Dame. I get it. They also, you know, the other so-called big win on the resume was Indiana. And Indiana's terrible this year. So they went into South Bend and they beat Notre Dame, who I think is good. I don't think they're, I don't think they're great, but I think they're decent. But, and I know being undefeated is good. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing, but you got to be a little bit realistic here. They're still ranked number five. Um... I, I, I'm not going to say that's right or wrong. I just, I, again, I reiterate what I said last week. Going to be very tough for them to get into the top four just based on what's in front of them. Georgia, Tennessee kind of hung with Georgia here. They were up 10-7 after the first quarter. Um, didn't score again until garbage time later in the game. Had a lot of opportunities to score, but Georgia just outclassed them 41-17. Alabama had a tomato can in New Mexico State. Oregon actually was given a bit of a scare. They were tied at halftime with Washington State. Washington State, excuse me. Washington State actually fumbled the ball out of the end zone early in this game. They moved the football. Now, Oregon wins, ends up covering. You're probably lucky to get the cover if you back them there. Um, they will have a tough tough task this week at Utah. Utah is actually a three-point favorite against Oregon. Something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Ohio State blows the doors off of Purdue, which to me hurts Michigan State. Now, Ohio State and Michigan State meet this Saturday. That will eliminate one of those teams. No, no question. I don't care. I don't care how good Ohio State looks or how badly the committee wants them in there. If Michigan State can beat Ohio State, they got to be gone. They just do. You got too many other teams lurking around. Michigan gets by Penn State. Okay, late touchdown there. Michigan 21-17 over Penn State. Um, now they have the inside track as far as I'm concerned. Because if they can beat Ohio State, they will jump in. Ohio State's got to get past Michigan State. If they can get past Michigan State and Michigan, they're not going anywhere. I mean, they're, they're going to be in. Michigan State, 40-21 over Maryland. That doesn't really do much good. Oklahoma is now done. They were 9-0, they were still ranked 8th. Now they go to Baylor and lose 27-14. Their season's over. Um, nothing else really too noteworthy from college football. I think the, the spotlight now, and, and rightfully so, is on the teams that are towards the top of the rankings. Coming up here, we talked about Michigan State and Ohio State. We talked about um, 
Utah host and Oregon. There's not a ton else that's going on this week that I think is going to have too much of an impact. Yeah, Arkansas goes in Alabama. That, I mean, that could have been a more significant game a month ago before uh, Arkansas lost a bunch of games. I mean, Alabama's a 20-point favorite in that game. You know, it's probably just about right. I, you know, Alabama's playing better and better. Arkansas, I think, is is kind of there. They're a seven-three team in the, in the SEC. That's that's kind of where they should be. I think people are getting a little out of hand with how much attention they were getting early in the year. Michigan's going into Maryland. That Michigan should handle Maryland. Maryland is so soft; it's not even funny. And Tua's brother is not Tua. Put it that way. Other than that, there's not a ton going on. Oklahoma State goes into Texas Tech. I guess that could get a little dicey, but I don't. You know, being ranked ninth, and now that or that Oklahoma lost, I don't think Oklahoma State's much of a factor in anything. So, yeah, nothing too significant going on in college football this week that I think is going to have much of an impact on your college football playoff. So, let's go down to the NFL. Um, I recap what was a rough week for me. First of all, listen, you want the picks, you get the picks. You get the good weeks, the bad weeks. There's more good weeks than bad. Last week was a was a rough week, but uh, for the picks you saw on Twitter, and again, follow me on Twitter, at BC, a.k.a. The Man, starting off with the Ravens as a teaser leg um, at Miami. A no-show for Baltimore. First touchdown doesn't come until the fourth quarter. Good plan by Brian Flores blitzing Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has trouble with the blitz. That's nothing new. You had Jacoby Brissett in a very stale Dolphins offense, and the Ravens did a good job on defense in this game until the fourth quarter. They, they were actually pretty good here. You had a missed field goal from Tucker. How often does that happen? You also had Sammy Watkins just quit on a ball in the end zone that he should have caught. Was he scared of the goalpost? Did he think he was going to hit the wall? Did he not know where he was? Did he lose it in the lights? I don't know. It was a touchdown pass. It's one of Lamar Jackson's bright spots. The Ravens, I'm going to try to be nice here. The Ravens are basically like the girl you date where you really want things to work, but they're just not going to. And you convince yourself that she's the one. You convince yourself that she's your soulmate. And she always does something. There's always, just when things are going well, Something happens. You could say it's not her, but let's face it. It probably is. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's her. But something always happens where basically it's like one big tease and you just kind of get let on until you're like, you know what? This just ain't it. Her fault. My, this is just not it. And that's the Ravens. The Ravens are now six and three. Yes, they're in first place. But if you look at the other teams in their, in their division, you know, Cincinnati has stumbled. They're still very immature. Cleveland has been unhealthy at the Odell Beckham drama. They're up and down with, with Baker and everything else. And they got the Steelers who were banged up. They tie with the Lions this past week. They're just not that. They're just not as good as they used to be. Their defense is okay. You saw the Bears almost come back on them. A couple breaks here and there, but yeah, they're just not the same. They're in a weak division. That division was supposed to be really good. That division is kind of mediocre this year, and they've gotten away with a few. If you look at their schedule, let's go back in their schedule. Remember the Kansas City game? They were supposed to lose that game. That's a game they absolutely could have lost. The Lions game. Remember that 66 yard? They need a 66 yarder to beat the Lions. Just those two games in consecutive weeks could have gone the other way. They could have easily lost the game against the Colts. That was an overtime game where they had to come from way back. You say, well, it makes a lot of sense. So 6-3 and three may look like 6-3. and three. And I know the whole thing of Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. They needed, what? They did overtime against the Vikings to come back. So 6-3 and three team, they have, gotten, they have gotten the better side of the coin flips every single time this year. That could easily be a 4-5 and five team, and it could be worse than that. They could absolutely be worse than that. So to me, the Ravens are just one big tease. You get no type of in-game adjustments from, from John Harbaugh or his offensive staff. The defense is wildly overrated. And you know how everyone's talking about Eric Bieniemy needs to get a job for a head coach? Well, mentioned almost as much as Eric Bieniemy the last few years has been Wink Martindale getting a head coaching job. His defense sucks. I mean, this is week. We're going into week 11 here, guys. Week 11. And once again, two major busted coverages in this game. And it basically cost them the game. 
it's a joke. It, they can't even they can't even learn the playbook. You're more than halfway through the season. That is not good coaching. The quarterback's all over the place. He, I mean, he, can't, he always wants to make some sort of Madden type play. They want to run the football. You got Le'Veon Bell, who they just cut this week, dancing behind the line of scrimmage, just dancing for something. Open nothing's going to open up. You don't have a good offensive line there. The offensive line is weak. You got some good receivers, but you don't have a big one. That's part of the problem here. You're getting blitzed all the time. You need a big wide receiver that can go ahead and bully himself into position and get these footballs and catch some of these 50-50 balls. They don't really have that. They have good receivers. Rashad Bateman's very good. The kid they just got from Minnesota. Hollywood Brown is really good. The kid for, the kid out of Oklahoma a couple years ago. He's very good. And they got Sammy Watkins back this week, but a lot of good it did him. He cost him a touchdown. It's an easy touchdown for an NFL receiver. And I can't find it. I'm not running. I'm, I don't know what happened there, and I don't care. Their secondary is terrible. Blown coverages cost. They can't tackle. There's a very overrated team in Baltimore. And I'm not trying to sound sour grapes just because I had them this one time, but it's it's been a big problem this year with effort from these teams just pulling no shows. And if you don't know your defensive playbook by this by this time of the season, I mean it's Thanksgiving next week, guys. You should know these plays. There's a couple new faces there, but not really. And you're just leaving a guy wide open by 15, 20 yards. The week before it happened again, Minnesota. John Harbaugh calls a timeout to gain two yards in a challenge. He won the challenge. He gained two yards. You know what happened the next play? Justin Jefferson torched him. He got like five steps behind the nearest guy in the secondary. Not five steps from the nearest guy in the secondary. Five steps behind the nearest guy in the secondary. That's out of a challenge. So they, were, they had time for a timeout there. That's terrible coaching. And some of these coaches are so ridiculously overrated. It just drives you nuts. They think they're the greatest thing ever. You just look at them like, what's going on here? The Ravens, to me, are just one big tease. Six and three, they're very lucky to be there. I'll tell you that. Uh, speaking of teams not showing up, we were on the Falcons on Sunday. They lose 43-3 to to the Cowboys. I'm not sure it was even that close. I understand that Dan Quinn used to coach the Falcons. There should be some familiarity there. The Falcons scored three points in an NFL game. Uh, Matt Ryan was awful. He had uh, fumbles. He had dropped balls here. The defense was terrible. Uh, it just, again, it, it's quizzical. Now, I'm not saying, listen. The Cowboys are favored by nine, nine and a half points. It went down to eight. Falcons with a sharp side. I was on the Falcons on a, on a team total perspective. And I actually had them initially as a teaser leg with Baltimore. So because Baltimore pulled a no-show on Thursday, I got to lose this game twice because I took them team total over on, uh, on Sunday. They moved the ball well on, the, on uh, their first drive. Another drive in the first quarter. Here's Arthur Smith. It's fourth down and seven from your 32-yard line. 49-yard field goal attempt. They were down, I think, 14-3 to three at the time. This would have made it 14-6. to six. You have a 49-yard field goal attempt with one of the better kickers in the league, and you decide to go for it on fourth down because of your analytics, I guess, telling you to do something just completely dumb. They don't make it. Cowboys come down and score. Game's pretty much over there. I mean, they just this was a total and utter no-show. A team is 4-4 four and four going into Dallas. A Dallas team that just let Denver move the ball up and down the field on them. You think the Falcons, I know they're coming off a big win against the Saints, but you need more wins. You can't just win this, beat the Saints and say, okay, it's okay to go 4-5 to five with, with the Patriots on deck three days later. Because you're not really saving your season in that case if you do that. Just a terrible performance by the Falcons. Arthur Smith, another analytics guy. Maybe good with some of the X's and O's, but he just can't get his team ready to play. Saints lose 23-21 to the Titans. Uh, you had a key turnover here, basically. I think it was in the third quarter off of a kickoff. was kind of your deciding factor in the game. Titans don't take weeks off. They're 8-2 now. I'll tell you something weird, though. They're only 10-point favorites against Houston this week at home. To me, that's a little bit odd. For a team that's just been tearing through the NFL... To me, that, that, that is a line that is just one big red flag right there. Not a lot of offense in this game. Let's see what the numbers actually were here. Um, this game was actually very slow early on. Back and forth. Uh, 264 total yards for the Titans. Yeah, that's not a lot of offense. 4.6 yards a play. Like I said, one key fumble 
for the Saints who had a chance to win at the end. Um, as far as the Saints go, they were missing some guys there. They were missing Teron Armstead. They were missing Kamara, who's not had the greatest year, but you know he still is a big part of their offense. They got Taysom Hill back. I would look for a good performance from them coming up. We'll talk about the, uh, the next week's games in just a minute. The Colts, 23-17, lucky to get a win over the Jags. I said a few weeks ago the Jags aren't that bad if they could eliminate mistakes. Now, speaking of mistakes, one of your touchdowns for the Colts here in the first quarter was a blocked punt. I mean, and they only put up 23 points in the game. In fact, they didn't score a touchdown the rest of the game. 17 points in the first quarter and then six points the rest of the way. Jags had a chance to win at the end of this game. They fumbled that away, kind of very much on brand for them. But they fight hard. They do fight hard for Urban Meyer. They fight hard for each other. Um... And they're going to get, they may give the Niners a run this week. We'll see. Browns go down to the Patriots 45 to 7. Now, the Browns weren't running back room, was basically coveted out of this game. Okay, fine. Baker Mayfield was banged up. I'll give you that. But man, I, I'm sorry. I, I, and I understand they had a big win the week before. Okay, fine. 45 to 7. Their defense, and I, and I, listen, there was a defensive score in this game. There were, you know, short fields, the whole nine yards. I know you like going into Cincinnati and beating up on the Bengals. Can you go ahead and put a couple weeks in a row together? And not having your running backs there, I know you're a run-first football team the whole nine yards. I know Kareem Hunt is special, even though he wasn't going to play anyway. Nick Chubb, I get it. I get it. But can you actually just show up the week after a big win? I mean, we are seeing a pattern here this year in the NFL, and I don't know what it is. I really don't know if it's because it's the year after COVID and these guys couldn't socialize as much last year and they're getting their money's worth this year. I don't know if it's some of the so-called social justice stuff and coaches are afraid to actually go hard on their players. I really don't know what it is. And I'll be very honest with you. But there is just a decided show up when we feel like sort of dynamic in this league uh, this season. And there, there's no question about it. And that's not meant to, meant to sound like sour grapes, but just sometimes you're looking at this like you guys came off a buy and this is what you put out there. And it's terrible. Uh, Bills 45-17 over the Jets. That's exactly how it sounded. Um, the, the scoreboard is very much indicative of what kind of game it was. It really wasn't quite that close. Uh, Josh Allen and those guys get themselves back on track. They get the right tackle back in that game too. I think that was part of the part of the reason they were able to bounce back a little bit. And also a team that came out of the bye not looking so good. So you wonder if uh, they were just a little more dialed in, but the Jets will make everyone look dialed in. 16-16, the Lions and Steelers tie. Uh, my favorite part about this was Najee Harris not, not knowing that they could tie. He thought the game just kept going for another quarter. It's amazing how many guys don't know the actual rules. I just, not to pick on Najee Harris, but it's kind of amusing. Um, a lot of bad weather in this game. No Big Ben. He got COVIDed out, I think, on Saturday. So Mason Rudolph took over. Steelers coming off that game on, on, on Monday night, I wanted no part of. I didn't like what I saw from their defense. And I give credit to the Lions for fighting very hard and getting their first, I don't know, half a win of the year. Uh, so good for them. The Redskins 29-19 over the Bucks. Okay, two early turnovers from Tom Brady. Um, and, you know, one of them was his fault. One of them was not his fault, clearly. Um, but just a defense that was basically just lackluster at best for Tampa. Again, coming off of a bye. And that bye came after a week where they lost a big game to the Saints. You thought they'd come out dialed in. I give Washington credit for fighting hard. Taylor Heineke looked good. The other thing about this game, and I talked about this before, the Redskins ran the last like 10 and a half minutes off the clock on one drive. It's re this play clock has got to, to shrink. It's ridiculous. That should not happen. Now, granted, they got some third downs. So that'll that'll you know stretch these things out. It's a little bit of luck. The Bucks could have stopped them at some point. I get it. And they, they probably would have won the game anyway. But who the hell wants to watch a team run the last 10 and a half minutes off the clock in a one-possession game? That's that's terrible. I mean, that, that's that's ridiculous. I don't blame Ron Rivera or the team. I mean, that's what you should do if you have it you know available to you. Go ahead. Go for it. But 10 and a half minutes? Yeah, I could get six minutes, six and a half minutes, but 10 and a half? That's insane. That is absolutely insane. So 
The Bucks with a loss there. They face the Giants next. Good luck to the Giants. I think they're running into a buzzsaw there. Uh, Panthers 34-10 to over the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals were caught in between weeks here. Uh, you had Niners week, and then this is Seahawks week coming up. I said this could be a lull there. They were 10-point favorites. Once again, Kyler wasn't playing. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't playing. Um, I guess Cam Newton will be the first thing you want to talk about here. One play, one touchdown. Second play, another touchdown. <laughs> he promptly, after the first touchdown, takes off his helmet, which he has known since day one is not allowed. He don't care. He needs to tell the world that he's back, show his big hair. His enthusiasm, I thought, was great. And obviously, it didn't hurt the team. The team uh, was it was en route to a blowout win. I thought his story last year with the Patriots was great. Just the, the fact that he was able to come back off all those injuries and and be part of a big-time organization. He just couldn't stay healthy. There was the COVID thing. And then they draft Mac Jones, and, and Mac Jones, look, New England has their quarterback. You can't fault them for that. I think this is great that he's going back home to Carolina. And you want to talk about a guy. Now, I opened the show talking about some of these these social justice initiatives or some of these very provocative topics and these these high-profile court cases. Well, you know, LeBron, LeBron James can go there and take shots all he wants at a, at a cop in Columbus or or a 17, now 18-year-old kid crying on the witness stand all he wants. While he's doing that, Cam Newton's going to be feeding hungry people in the Charlotte area for Thanksgiving. And I'm not kidding about that. It's something he's been doing for years. That's real activism. Doesn't draw attention to himself. I mean, he promotes it because he wants to help people. But he doesn't try to build a brand off of it. It's not me, 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 my school, my school, look at the, oh, lock this guy up, put this guy in jail. Because that really does no good for society. What he does is he does things for people in need, and he actually gets things done. They love him down in Carolina. I think this is great for him. Panthers are still 5-5. Five and five. Would you believe as bad as they've looked at times, the Panthers would be your seventh playoff team in the NFC right now? They would. They, they absolutely would be. Uh, Vikings 27-20 to 20 over the Chargers. Now, I think I mentioned last week that the Vikings would look really good as a teaser leg at plus 9, maybe even just straight up at plus 3. Remember, the, the Chargers had a tough time with the Browns offense, and that's basically the same system they kind of run in Philadelphia, in, uh, excuse me, in, um, in Minnesota. So big day for, you just thought it was going to be a big day for Dalvin Cook. You thought Kirk Cousins might get it right. They don't have much of a pass rush uh, with the Chargers. Uh, so you thought that, you know, Kirk Cousins, now Kirk Cousins was still under pressure, still did some goofy stuff, but he actually looked very good in this game. They outgained the Chargers 381 to 253. Uh, Chargers just had a rough day, 4.6 yards a play. What is going on with the Chargers? My God. I mean, they're all of a sudden, they're 5-4. and four. I mean, they face the Steelers this week. Now, they should handle the Steelers. The Steelers are all kinds of banged up and not very good. If they can't handle the Steelers, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that, that team, they're only 3.5-point favorites. They should be a 6- or 7-point favorite of that team. That is probably the value play of the week if you think they're going to show up. Now, to be honest about this, I talked about it when it happened. The John Gruden emails, remember how bad the John Gruden emails were? They were icky with all these bad words. Well, since that's happened, you've had a kid from the Raiders kill someone in a car crash, allegedly. You also had another kid from the Raiders get cut because he wanted to flash a basically an arsenal of weapons and make death threats on social media. And the one that got the most attention, okay, wasn't the car crash and not the weapons. It was the bad words from emails that are like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. Since Brandon Staley has decided to grave dance on John Gruden, he's one and two. He's got one win since then. It's been like a month. So speaking you know, of a kid who may know some X's and O's, he does not know how to get his team ready for anything or how to make adjustments on the fly. So again, worry about yourself and your own players. Don't worry about shitting on a guy who's no longer in the league. On that topic, John Gruden is suing the NFL and good for him. The NFL can posture all they want. 
like they're not scared of him, there's no possible way they want to go down that road because other guys will have to leave their jobs as well if that happens because of all the evidence that'll pop out. Bottom line, I guarantee there's a lot of guys who are begging the NFL to just go ahead and settle with John Gruden as quickly as they can. Eagles 30-13 over the Broncos. It's time for Vic Fangio to go. This is just, this is just I know there's the, the Teddy Bridgewater clip. I know there was a play in this game where I think it was Melvin Gordon fumbled, but he didn't, and they thought the play should have been blown dead, and you get Bobby Slay, or Darius Slay, excuse me, uh, running the bat, running the, the ball back, 80-something yards. Teddy Bridgewater just stares at him as he goes by because maybe he thought the play was dead or he just doesn't give a shit. One way or the other, it just isn't working out for the Broncos. I, I know a lot of guys get hurt. They just got rid of Von Miller. They're now a 5-5 five and five football team, but they just, it feels like, 5-5 five and five feels like 3-7. and seven. It just feels like they're going absolutely nowhere fast there. It's, it's a shame, too, because they do have some players in that team. And I like Teddy Bridgewater, but my God, you know, tackle the guy. At, at least put, at least, at least make it look good. My goodness, Packers 17 and nothing over the Seahawks. Never got on board with Green Bay in this game. I, I was very close. Couldn't pull the trigger. Minus three. They basically teased their backers the entire time until the fourth quarter. Both quarterbacks trading interceptions in the end zone. These quarterbacks were terrible. I mean, this was obviously going to be a featured game on Fox because of the names involved. But these quarterbacks were just bad, man. I mean, they were they were not good at all. Russell Wilson was 20 for 40 for 161 yards, two picks, a QBR of 13. 13. Aaron Rodgers, much better than that. 23 out of 37 for a QBR at 29.6. He had 292 yards. Okay, so they were pretty good there. Both defenses did a pretty decent job against the run, um, especially Seattle. Seattle contained A.J. Dillon. They contained Aaron Jones. Packers are going to lose Aaron Jones for a couple weeks now, uh, which is unfortunate. I guess the, I guess if you look at it here, Alex Collins ran the ball okay. Try, okay, he's okay. No Chris Carson in this game, so... Um, but just, just not good. Two quarterbacks coming back, and obviously they're going to be the spotlight, but they just were not... Not at all good in this game. They were actually kind of, it was actually just like a watching an old-timey football game from the 80s. Just cold weather and, boy, just, just crazy. Uh, the night game now. The Chiefs supposedly are back, right, because of one game against the Raiders. Hold on now. You got a fourth down play in the first half where the Raiders, instead of just getting, getting the half a yard they needed, have to come up with bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors and Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr and, boom, their rookie guard, uh, as he is wont to do, jumps, jumps up for a false start. Cost them five yards. They have to punt. The Chiefs never look back from there. They're about to get in. Are the Raiders? Deshaun Jackson catches a long ball that should have been a, probably a touchdown. Starts running around in circles for God knows what reason. You got to ask him. And basically fumbles away the game. Should have been a three-point game right then and there. And that was basically it. There was just no more momentum. Aside from those plays, the Chiefs came in with far more energy than the Raiders. Raiders didn't get much of a pass rush on there. I don't buy the whole thing about the Chiefs' defense being that much better. If you look at who the Chiefs have played lately, I know it's a big narrative now. The Chiefs' defense is better. Well, number one, the Chiefs' defense couldn't be worse than they were early in the year. That's number one. Number two, they play against the Packers with no Aaron Rodgers. Before that, they played the Giants. We know how dysfunctional they are. They were at the Titans, gave up 27 points basically before you even blinked. Then they had games at Washington. They had a game at home against the Bills where the Bills went up and down the field and put up 38 on them. The week before, the Eagles put up 30 on them. And then we go back to the Chargers, Ravens, and Browns game. That's your entire season. So show me the big-time, impressive defensive performance in the Raiders. They were good here. I mean, every coin flip went their way. You had a ball, like a 50-50 ball in the end zone where, where they, they outleap a... We're running back, out, out leaps a uh, Las Vegas cornerback. Okay, fine. Uh, you got, um, you got the, Sean, the Sean Jackson play. You got the fourth down play. A lot of breaks for Kansas City. They went their way. That's football. That's how it works. Okay, and they came in there more prepared and more polished. They deserve to win this game, deserve to cover this game. No question about it. But to me, don't tell me about what a great defensive performance this is when you have so many blunders on the other side of the ball. They still give up 6.2 yards to the Raiders. Raiders should have had more than 14 yards to show for that effort, or 14 points to show for that effort, excuse me. So I'm not really sold yet that the Chiefs are some kind of big-time defensive juggernaut right now. They're going to have to show me something else than they, they already have for me to buy that. Then Monday night, 31-10. to 10. Now, the Rams, 
get embarrassed by the Titans, right? And all you hear all week was Matthew Stafford and his back doesn't practice all week. Okay, so I, so that, that got me off of them. I thought of that them as a teaser leg last week. I, w- I wanted no part of a guy who hadn't practiced. You didn't know what his status was going to be, especially now with some of these guys like Sean McVay who think they're smarter than everybody else. You're just wondering, is Matthew Stafford even going to play? Now you get them coming into, into Santa Clara. The 49ers are 3-5. and five. They just were completely embarrassed on national television. You'd think you'd get a better effort from the Rams than you did. Now, I won this game. This was the bright spot of the week. I had Niners team total over 23. This game, you know, this was a winner five minutes into the third quarter. But how did the Rams pull another no-show, and now they're going into a bye? Sean McVay, the, the luster is just not there anymore. I mean, the whole like honeymoon phase for him is completely done, where all his coaches, everybody wants a piece of them, and they, and they think he's the greatest thing ever. The league is caught up to him, but he does not get his players motivated for anything. And you had two new faces there, Von Miller. Odell Beckham Jr., it took about 10 minutes, and I mean not 10 minutes of game time, 10 minutes of actual time, okay, from the starting kickoff to Odell Beckham throwing a fit on the sideline. So I thought that was a really good fit for him there, but you're talking about two weeks in a row, their offense has been a complete no-show, and you didn't hear anything about Matthew Stafford's back all this week. He practiced every day this week. So what is the problem? Because for the second week in a row, the Rams go up against a team with a secondary that is all types of messed up with injuries, and they can't do anything. And I don't want to take anything away from the Niners. The other interesting thing about the Niners, Kyle Shanahan comes out and run, 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 run. Just he's going to run the ball down their throats like old-timey football with Woody Hayes. Like run, 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 occasional pass, run, run, run. It was like something from the 40s. It was absolutely crazy how much he was running the football early and just toying with Sean McVay and toying with the Rams. But where is the Rams offense here? I thought we had some kind of good. I thought we had some young savant of a coach over there on the other sideline. What is going on? Kyle Shanahan seems to get the best of the Rams every single time. That's one of the reasons I like them here. Plus the spot and everything else. Plus, I, so I'll tell you something else. Where has Trey Lance been? What is going on with Trey Lance? Why are they not running packages for this kid? They didn't need to the other day. Okay, fine. But what are they doing here? They just don't want to use him at all now because they're afraid of getting him hurt? That would almost lead me to believe they're thinking about trading him. Because if he's going to be your quarterback, he's going to be your quarterback. So why not use him? If they win at Jacksonville this week, the Niners, you're now 5-5. Five and five. You're right back in it. Like I said, Carolina at 5-5 five and five is now a playoff team. And there's a bunch of teams that are 4-5 that are, that are and five that haven't had their, they already had their bye, let's say, that are 4-5 and five that would be a game back of the playoffs right now. There's like two or three of those teams. So the 49ers are not by any means out of it. I don't, I don't understand this whole thing about, well, let's wait till next year because I'd rather do that than lose in the playoffs. No, you've got to get to the playoffs. You've got a chance to get to the playoffs. You've got to do that. If the Giants had that mentality, they would they would have cost them a Super Bowl a few years ago. You got when they end up beating the 19 and 0 Patriots. So, or I guess they were 18 and 0 Patriots, right? They wanted to be 19 and 0. So, I don't understand that mentality. I don't know quite what's going on with Trey Lance, but a nice win for the Niners. Okay, a nice moment for them to kind of get back on track and get something going at home where they've had a lot of trouble. Uh, I just don't get what you saw from the Rams there, and we'll see how they come out of the bye. Uh, but but really weird stuff. Bottom line, looking ahead to this week, the Thursday night game, Patriots and Falcons. Patriots are now up to a seven-point favorite on the road. That is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I mean, I understand the Falcons look that bad. I'm not saying, you know, go out there and fork over money on the Falcons, but minus seven. You'll learn something this week about whether the Falcons actually want to be, uh, basically want to be a factor in the rest of the season. They go to four and six with a loss, obviously five and five with a win. Patriots will come out ready to play. They always come out ready to play. Uh, just how it is. So, and, and just going off on a tangent here about Bill Belichick, those of you who thought he was just a product of Tom Brady for all these years, I think are learning that's not really the case. And, you know, with Mac Jones, I was never really that high on Mac Jones a couple years ago at Alabama. Patriots have got their quarterback of the future. They made a nice call here as a kid from the South is fitting in just fine in a team that plays in Boston. 
cold weather, the whole nine yards. I mean, they did their research on this kid. They did their homework, and he's working out just fine for them to the point where you wouldn't think it. But over the last month, the Patriots are number one in explosive play offense. You wouldn't think they are, but they are, especially because in a world dominated by, you know, the, the coverage is dominated so much and the and the attention is dominated so much by fantasy because, you know, you don't really think about Keneal Harry or some of these running backs. And, you know, you just don't think about these guys as big-time fantasy guys. You don't really, you know, think of the Patriots as a big-time offensive team. Plus, they, they are another team that loves to go slow. So sometimes the final score isn't really indicative of how good they were on offense. Makes it tricky also if you're trying to play totals, right? Because you're taking an over in a game. You say, oh, they're really efficient on offense. They, they put up a lot of big plays. But if they also have a lot of long, methodical drives, well, you're running time off the clock. That's less time to score. So it is a little bit a little bit of a tricky situation there from that perspective. But um, I give them credit. I, again, they should not be seven-point favorites on the road on a short week. You've got to be kidding me. I would expect actually some points in that game. Because I can't see the page being that sharp on defense, especially after the big effort against the Browns. And the, the Falcons have got to get on track at some point. And, and the Falcons' defense is bad. Even when they're on point, they're bad. They're just not a very good defense. Again, it's, it seems like you've been saying this about the Falcons for the last 15 years. That's only because it's true. They just don't get better on defense. So we'll see how that plays out on Thursday. Uh, remember, Thursday night games can be a little tricky, and you have plenty to go on Saturday with college and Sunday with the NFL. You don't need to... Um, do damage one way or the other on Thursday night just because it's there. Bills, seven-point favorites over the Colts. You know, at first glance, I kind of like the Colts as maybe as a, as a teaser leg. Maybe it just, you know, just plus the seven uh, straight up. I just don't know if I trust their defense. I didn't like what I saw them. Now, you could say maybe maybe they were looking ahead to Buffalo against Jacksonville. I don't know. There's something about them that I just, I, I guess what it is is I don't trust them to stop the Bills. So maybe I would look more of a, more of a total situation, maybe Colts team total. The weather's actually supposed to be pretty good, so I wouldn't, you would think, okay, you know, late November in Buffalo, maybe the weather's a factor. It's actually supposed to be quite nice, around 50 degrees and clear, if I'm not mistaken, not a lot of wind. So you might see some scoring in this game. Not quite sure. Remember something, Carson Wentz isn't affected by the cold anyway. But I, I just don't know if I trust the Colts to stop the Bills. Now that they got their right tackle back, uh, did the Bills, their offense seems to be kind of back on track. Remember, the Jets aren't really a barometer there because they are that much worse. The Jets are the worst-ranked defense in the NFL. And honestly, if there was a way to rank them 33rd instead of 32nd, they should do it because they're that bad. Uh, Ravens, five-and-a-half-point favorites at Chicago. To me, that would be Bears. or I don't know that I could really get on the Bears, but that would be Bears or pass. If ever there was a statement game for the Ravens, though, this would be it. You have a longer week of prep coming off a of Thursday night. You were embarrassed on national TV. See how much guts they show. I will say this, though. Uh, Justin Fields, and they're coming off a, a bye themselves, right? Okay, so they're going to have extra rest. They're actually going to have the rest advantage here. Justin Fields looked awfully comfortable against that Steelers team. Uh, if you get some decent weather there, and I think the weather's supposed to be okay there. If you have some decent weather there, I would not exp I would not be surprised at all to see the Bears try to let Justin Fields loose a little bit against the Ravens secondary that seems to get beat deep at least a couple times a game. It's crazy. Browns minus 10 over the Lions. You don't know what Browns team you're going to have. The guys from COVID should be back, but you had a couple injuries in this game against the um, Patriots last week. Well, the Lions are just hard. Lions fight hard every week. You wonder, you wonder when they're just going to pack it in. Like the Eagles game, they packed it in. You wonder if this is going to be another one of those things. You go to overtime and tie, you're just not sure. Titans minus 10. Over the Texans, I mean, shouldn't that line, even with no Derrick Henry and no Julio Jones, shouldn't that line be like 13, 14, 15? Why is it 10? That to me is a little bit weird. Packers minus two and a half of the Vikings. If you get the good Vikings, the good Vikings here, if you get the if, 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 if you get the good Vikings, this line should be the other way around. Okay, the Packers are eight and two. The Vikings are four and five. But the Vikings, remember what I said about the Ravens? The Ravens have gotten the, the benefit of the coin flip every time. Well, one of those coin flips was against the Vikings. The Vikings have gotten the bad end of it 
it seems like every single time this year, a team that could easily be six and three or seven and two, you know, if not for a few mistakes and really some coaching blunders, that's all there is to it. That'll probably be the best game, um, at least on paper, at uh, at one o'clock on Sunday. Dolphins at the Jets, Ugh, please. Uh, Saints are at <laughs> Saints are at Philadelphia. This is kind of interesting. The Saints were initially favored in this game, if I'm not mistaken. Now it's Eagles minus one and a half because the Eagles put a good performance in at Denver, and the Saints get beaten at Tennessee, a game they were in down to the wire. Um, this would be a good spot for the Saints, I think. The Eagles love to run the football. The Saints can stop the run. If there's one thing Nick Sirianni has shown this year, it's that he doesn't want to put too much in the hands of Jalen Hurts. I think this is a good spot for the Saints, um, especially getting Taysom Hill back for the second week in a row. You should have Kamara back. Teron Armstead comes back. I would look at the Saints very carefully. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to take a look at them as a teaser, like bump them up to plus seven and a half. Um, and I think I would probably feel pretty good about that. But we're not, like I said, we're not quite there yet. I have to check on Twitter uh, by Sunday to see where we're at there. Panthers, three, point, three and a half point favorites now over Washington. Looks like Cam Newton's going to start. Not sure if that's necessarily good or bad. Uh, Christian McCaffrey certainly looked like he's gotten a little bit better. Uh, no Chase Young for Washington. He's going to miss the end of the season with another bad luck. Um, just a really unfortunate play. And it seems to happen in the same part of the field. They were saying someone else got hurt. Oh, who was it? Alex Smith got hurt at that end of the field. And then Joe Burrow was hurt at that end of the field at FedEx. So that's actually kind of weird. But uh, Panthers minus three and a half over Washington. The Niners go into Jacksonville. Now, I already talked about Jacksonville and how they kind of bring it every week. And they also manage to blunder their way out of contention every week. Which week, you know, which week is it where Jacksonville actually puts everything together and doesn't have a pump locked and doesn't have a a red zone fourth down stop uh, whether they're on the wrong side of that. Uh, another, you know, a turnover in the red zone that basically stalls them out. When is that going to happen? The Niners should not be favored by six here. I mean, the, the side would to me would be Jacksonville. I'm not running out to bet Jacksonville because they haven't shown me that they can't be dysfunctional yet, at least not often enough. But we'll see if the Niners can put two in a row. If the Niners can go there and win and cover this game, I would be impressed. You get to 500, you're coming off a big rivalry game against the Rams on a Monday night. So short week, now you got to go all the way across the country. I tell you what, it's a bad spot for the Niners. If they can go in there and win and cover, I'd be very, very impressed. Uh, to tell you the truth. We'll see how that plays out. Bengals and the Raiders. Now, this will be interesting. Both of these teams uh, had pretty rough efforts the last time out, right? Didn't the Bengals have a... Oh, the Bengals, yeah. The Bengals got shellacked by the Browns. You started off the game with a pick six that went about 100 yards where Denzel Ward, and it just kind of got worse from there. Raiders let the Chiefs kind of go up and down the field, uh, but they were dysfunctional in their own right. Their Every mistake seemed to be on, on the Raiders in that Sunday night game. We'll see which one of these teams bounces out of that and puts, all, puts up a better effort. Um, young coach versus old coach. I don't know. We'll see. You, you've seen you've seen signs from the Raiders coach that maybe he is not necessarily the best guy for the job, and that was definitely in full on full display on Sunday night. I don't know. That'll be an interesting game. It's a four o'clock game, so not a lot of you are going to see it, but that's going to be a, kind of an intriguing game. A game a lot of you will see: Cowboys and Chiefs. Now the Cowboys blow the doors off Atlanta. Now everyone's back on track with them after they embarrassed against Denver. They had their no show week. I think that was off a of bye too, right? Another team off a of bye that just doesn't show up. Now we'll find out about the Chiefs. Now we'll find out about the Chiefs' defense. You think the Chiefs' defense is for real? Well, we'll find out. The total in this game, by the way, is 56. That shows you what Las Vegas thinks about the Chiefs' defense. Chiefs being a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. I want to know what's going on with uh, Tyron Smith, the tackle from the Cowboys. I want to know what's going on with C.D. Lamb. Having said that, I would think the Cowboys uh, bumped up to an eight-and-a-half-point underdog as a teaser leg would make a lot of sense here. I would look at them as a team total over, but come on. I mean, gee, it's going to be 26-and-a-half, 27 uh, yeah, could, could they do it? Sure. But the Chiefs the Chiefs are no... Both these teams at times like to go really slow and pound the football. 
And, and I know you set up your bigger plays that way, but the Chiefs haven't really had a lot of big plays to speak of. The Chiefs have been like bottom five, bottom 10 in explosive plays for the last month, month and a half. It just hasn't happened for them. So you had a few bigger plays. Plus you had, t- you had Travis Kelsey getting on track in the Sunday night game. I think that was the most significant thing of all. But Patrick Mahomes also looked very good. D- make no mistake about it. He kind of looked like him old, his old self. Just a little bit of a bounce back game against the Raiders, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wowed either way by the performance. It was a solid cheese performance. They looked like the more professional, more polished, better coach team uh, when they played the Raiders. But that's the Raiders. We'll see now about this Chiefs defense, how good it really is facing Dak and company, especially if they do have their offensive line intact, especially if C.D. Lamb is able to go. We'll get a good idea. I'd expect uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins to be back for the Cardinals at the Seahawks. Cardinals two and a half point favorites there. Not quite sure how healthy exactly those two guys are. Seahawks fought awfully hard. Three and six is three and six. Remember, Geno Smith uh, was responsible for some of those losses. Uh, It was never really sold on the Seahawks defense going into Green Bay, but they were actually pretty good. Do I think they can handle the Cardinals passing attack if the Cardinals are at all healthy? Probably not. That's just that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, the other thing about the Seahawks at home, that is sort of worn off. The luster of them at home is sort of worn off. They're just not as good of a team anymore. Bottom line, and, and a lot of times your home field advantage is on defense because it's so it's so disorienting for the opposing team. But now these teams are communicating in a different way. You got the headsets and everything. They communicate with silent with with uh, hand signals and silent counts and everything else. So it's not quite as difficult on the road. But their defense isn't as good anymore. Bottom line, you know, the Legion of Boom stuff is, is a long, long time ago. Still an interesting game. That's basically the Seahawks playing for their season. I would not discount that. Chargers home now up to a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Steelers. So that's how lethargic the Steelers looked. They opened up a three-and-a-half, now five-and-a-half points. So as bad as the Chargers looked uh, you know, at, at several points this year, um, that's telling you something right there. Okay, Chargers five-and-a-half. I think they're telling you exactly what side you should be on in that game. Then the Giants head into Tampa to face the Bucks. Bucks down to an 11-point favorite. You might get Saquon Barkley back. You might get Sterling Shepard back. I would think Gronk and Antonio Brown would be back for the Bucks. Keep an eye on Vita Vea. He's their big run stuffer for Tampa. If he doesn't play, that would be good news for the Giants. All things you want to kind of factor in and keep an eye on as you try to figure out whether or not to put your money on the line for Monday Night Football. But nothing right now, nothing official. Anything I do land on will, of course, be up on the Twitter feed at BCAK, the man, normally by noon on Sunday. But, of course, if we're in on something on Thursday or Saturday, it'll be up before that as well. And that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Follow me on Twitter at BCAK, the man. Follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC, the man, can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with Lace on that poll. I am BC, the man. I will see you guys next week on The Air Attack. me
Champagne, drinking till we can't stand. I'ma beat it up like Pam Bam. 